Hey, this is Scott Galloway, author, professor, entrepreneur, and most importantly, host of the Prop G podcast. We got a special series running on right now called The Future of Work, where I answer all your questions on, surprise, The Future of Work. Questions including, what are we missing when we work remotely? Or how do we handle work-life balance when a major opportunity comes knocking? From the provocative to the technical, we're offering insights you won't want to miss. So tune in to The Future of Work, a Pod special sponsored by Canva. You can find it on the Pod wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome one, welcome all. It is volume 25 of the NFC's Mixtape, a crossover presented to you in partnership by Bleeding Green Nation, SB Nation's home for Philadelphia Eagles content, and Blogging the Boys, SB Nation's home for Dallas Cowboys content. I am RJ Ochoa from BTV. He is Brandon Lee Gowden from BGN. We are through the first four weeks of the season. We have a lot of NFC Easting to do, and I'm excited to do it with my NFC's Mixtape partner, um, BLG. How goes it? A great week for you, RJ, in the sense that <laughs> Cowboys won, the Giants won. I mean, I mean, you're not excited about the Giants and football team winning, but like in a vacuum, you're excited that every NFC's team except the Eagles won in week four. So congratulations to you. Yeah. Uh, I mean, what is there to say at this point, except for the fact that the Philadelphia Eagles are the worst team um, in the worst division? In the uh, NFL. You don't believe don't that. Be- I, I don't believe I that. Say, you don't believe that. <laughs> But this week it's true at least. Okay, and, but, sure. You know, this week we we thought that we'll, we'll get to it. But before we do, do you have anything that you want to get off your chest? Anything about the East as a whole? I, actually, I, is I don't think it's the worst division in the NFL. No, AFC South squarely is. not. Yeah, I mean, but it's like they literally have the two worst teams. Like it's not even up for debate to me. The Texans the, and the on Jags on average, on average, is the NFC East better than the AFC East? Like if we if we count the Cowboys and Bills as sort of a wash, I think there's mm-hmm. a tiny little the Cowboys are, there. are not as good as the Bills. I think the Bills are on a different level right now. Um, if we're counting that as a wash, um, I think it's like, similar. Like no no NFC East team. Well, the Giants and Jets are kind of a wash, to be fair. Yep. Um, so then it's it's Washington and Philadelphia against Miami and New England. I would take Washington and Philadelphia. Okay. What's the point of this? What's the point of this exercise? I don't know. To make us feel better, I guess. I mean, it's what other what other division has its own podcast like this? You know, we've gotta mm, we've gotta have none. some divisional pride here. You know what I'm saying? That's all, you know? No, that's not a real thing. Stop it's, it. It's not. I actually think that's the dumbest thing. Like when people are like, Oh, well, like I will never in my life understand how any Cowboys fans rooted for Eagles fans or the Eagles in the Super Bowl a few years ago. Uh the dumbest argument ever was, Well, you know, I don't want the Patriots to pass the Cowboys in ring counts. Like the Cowboys <laughs> could always like pass them again. You know, like what whatever. I I've no Eagles that. fans want the Cowboys rooting for them either. Like that's like, you know, right. It's not like, oh wow, Dallas fans are rooting. No, they don't they don't want that to happen. Yeah. Stupid. Um, whatever. Okay. So uh we have three wins to discuss, one loss, and another divisional matchup to get ready for here at BLG. We go in order of division standings, which to yep. your point. The Dallas Cowboys, clearly the best team in the NFC East, a convincing 36-28 victory over the Carolina Panthers. This box score a little bit friendlier to Carolina than I think the actual game was. Uh, Bob Sturm from the Ticket and the Athletic had an incredible uh, write-up this week about how that was maybe the best quarter the Cowboys have played this century, the third quarter against the Panthers. Uh, They had multiple touchdowns. It was Trayvon Diggs' two interceptions. The party really got going. Uh, your thoughts on on what Dallas did to what was, from a particular measurement standpoint, the best defense in the NFL? Yeah, you know, obviously there was some not there's some parsing to do there with the Panthers, the competition that they played and everything. Right, right, right. Davis Mills, who was clearly terrible. They Sam were better Darnold, than I. I, um, I thought they were a bit of a paper tiger. And I came away from that game thinking, like, they're going to the playoffs. Like, they're they're not the best defense mm. in the NFL, but they are definitely really good. Sam Darnold, I'm weirdly happy for him. You know what I mean? In, in the situation he's in. Yeah, I'm not. I'm still not sold on that. And we'll see because the Eagles get them this week in Carolina. So we'll see how that goes. I'm not sold on them. Uh, I think they're kind of just a middle of the pack kind of team there. Um, but that's not what you asked me. You asked me about the Cowboys. Uh, the Cowboys are kind of a boring team to talk about right now. And I think that they're, like, as expected in that the offense is really good. And Mike McCarthy 
still has some issues with game management that could be an undoing in a much closer game against uh, better competition. I saw the- this on Blocking the Boys. I did not have an issue with McCarthy. Okay. I, I thought this was maybe truly his best game as the Cowboys head coach. Um, there were people who had an issue, and I think you will actually think this is dumb. Um, after the Cowboys' second touchdown, the Panthers had a penalty on the extra point attempt, and so Mike McCarthy decides to go for two. I mean, you know, if it's closer, you do it. And, you know, I, I don't want to speak ill about anybody, but people who, who can't, People who who base things off of results are like, well, you didn't get it. That was stupid. You should have taken the extra point. No. I mean, you know, at that point, it's it's a coin flip proposition. You go for it. And so that upset a lot of people. Uh, Have you seen the third down discussion that happened here and the penalty that he declined? This was also a point of contention for many people. I didn't see that. And I wasn't talking about the two-point conversion, to be clear. The criticism that I saw from, I believe it was Tom Ryle, was about just like the conservative approach while being up. Still didn't bother me. I mean, I know a lot of people felt that way, like they took their foot off the gas. I, you know, I think that the Cowboys knew the game was in hand. I think they knew once they got the ball back, they would end it. You know, maybe that's an arrogant approach, but if if you can do it, you know, your arrogance is justified. They did that as soon as Carolina scored to narrow the margin to eight. They got the ball back and they drained the clock, and you know, they ended it on their terms. Um, the third down thing I wrote about, so we don't have to relitigate that. But um, I I think that you know everybody's so quick to credit Kellen Moore and I'm not saying nobody should but you know Kellen Moore's offense is amazing Dan Quinn's really you know got control of this defense Dak Prescott's playing at an incredible level Micah Parsons Osa Digizua you know there's a lot of praise to go around and I just don't know how like Mike McCarthy gets none of it you know that that's strange to me I mean I know that the end of last season is is a different thing but Mike McCarthy has won six of his last eight games and everybody's making a big deal about how they have 10 turnovers in the first four games this season. They had 12 turnovers in the final four games of last season. They played some really bad quarterbacks, to be fair. But my point is, like, you know, I, I, it's time to give Mike McCarthy some love. I mean, he's he's the, the head of one of the most well-rounded teams in the NFL through four weeks. I don't think. I think it's all about expectations, right? And I don't think anyone was saying at any point that Mike McCarthy is like the worst head coach in the NFL. Oh, people said that. I mean, and he, and he, well, in the sense that like he can't lead the Cowboys. No one is saying that. No one, no one out there said that the Cowboys can't have a winning season with Mike McCarthy as their head coach. Literally, no one said that. There's just no chance. I think that the question, as we all know, with McCarthy is like, what does it look like when you get into the playoffs? What does it look like against the tougher competition? And can he give you an edge in those games with their other coaches? That has always at least been my thing. Like, I think he's a guy who raises the Cowboys floor, but like, there's questions about the ceiling with him because of those things. And look, I gave Mike McCarthy credit on the podcast, which you have not listened to because it was probably because it was just like published. Uh, not too long ago before we started recording this at around noon on Tuesday, October 5th. But uh, I said, and, and you've touched on this, I think he deserves credit for the team not falling apart after it felt like it could have early in the season when, you know, Leo Collins gets suspended and Demarcus Lawrence goes on IR and you have Michael Gallup, uh, Michael Gallup and Randy Gregory's on the COVID list and all. And then Michael Parsons has to move to defensive end because the rest of the defensive line is depleted. So I think he deserves credit for all that and not letting the bottom fall out. So that is something I will credit for him for. Good for you, BLG. Personal growth. It's a really magical time of year. The clock's going to be turning back in about a month or so. You just, you know, Fall looks good. Just honesty, you. man. I'm always honest. I'm always um, honest. I mean, I I'm fascinated to see what what this team looks like when it, when it comes to stiffer competition. That's not going to be the case. Uh, certainly this week against the New York Giants, who we'll, we'll touch on in a moment. But uh, next week against the Patriots, I think we both think the Cowboys will win that game. But still, McCarthy versus Belichick. Definitely interested to see kind of what happens there. Um, the schedule is really light for the Cowboys. You noted that in your power rankings on Tuesday. Uh, particularly from an opposing quarterback standpoint. That's a, a drum I've been beating for a long time. Uh, things. I, I, the, my last point on the Cowboys is I feel like th- it's been a very, very, very long time since they've done the things that they should do. You know, they've had big wins before, and they've had surprising wins, and they've had kind of statement wins. But, you know, so they – I some a personal challenge that I put on them because everybody cares about things I say is I said you had to go one and one through the first two games of the season and everybody thought they were going to lose to the Bucks and they did that and you know it was close against the Chargers but they did that survive in advance which is how you reference the Buccaneers in your power rankings and so then it was okay the Eagles and no trash talk here but they're not a good team it's your home opener 
it's Dak's first game back on AT&T Stadium. Go send a message. And they did that. And, okay, now you got the Panthers coming to town. They're undefeated, yeah, but we all think they're a bit of a paper tiger. You know, it's a bit of a hollow 3-0. Go beat them. And they beat them with authority. And they beat them with so much authority that, you know, some could say that they got a little bit conservative at the end of the point that they took their foot off the gas. And, obviously, you don't want to see that against a, a stronger opponent. But they are doing the things that they should do. And it's been a very, very, very long time since that's been the case with this team. So that's why this particular 3-1 and feels a little bit hardier than other 3-1 and records the Cowboys have had, where it just kind of feels like they're they're kind of towing the line, like they're on a balance beam. And, you know, soon enough, the, the bottom is going to come out. The bottom feels really far away from the Cowboys at this particular point, at least for me. So the upside of having an easy schedule like the Cowboys do coming up, as you said, in terms of just the quarterbacks they even play, is that they're going to be able to bank these wins and they're probably going to roll in the division. And of course, the downside is like you're looking for that measuring stick game or at least like not just one, but like a couple, like a couple of measuring stick games along the way. And I guess like, are we going to get to see that? I don't know. Maybe some of these teams will kind of that they're playing will be better than expected a little bit later or whatever. We'll see how it shakes out. The NFL is un- unpredictable if you didn't know. But uh, that's the only thing I guess I can say is like they're going to have this easy stretch. Well, that's that's great. They'll take care of business. But then what does it look like when they start to face more adversity down the road? We do, I think, probably have to wait until right around Thanksgiving to ultimately get that. They visit Kansas City the Sunday before, get the Raiders on Thanksgiving Day. I know that Vegas lost, but I think we both think they're a a solid team, especially on a short week. Quality team. Right. Uh, And then New Orleans seven days after, you know, still kind of, you know, I think we're both a little bit unknown on them. Uh, By the way, on the subject of that Raiders game, I realized today, actually, uh, Amari Cooper played 52 games with the Oakland Raiders. His 52nd game with the Dallas Cowboys, assuming he plays every game between now and then, will be against the Raiders on Thanksgiving, his first time playing them uh, with the Cowboys. Like, that's hmm. you, you said the NFL is unpredictable. The NFL is also really poetic sometimes. Like, the, the poetry that it delivers is just, there's nothing like it. And that's, you know, like, I totally, well, well I totally believe that. The schedule makers, you know, designed the Bucks Patriots game for Brady to break the record and things like that. This one, I think, was just happenstance. Like, there's no way that they particularly planned this particular thing. You know what I mean? Well, look at Andy Reid getting his 100 win with oh, two different teams against the Eagles. Wow, like, great point. <laughs> yeah, it's great definitely point. not all by accident, right? That is such a great point. Um, okay, the Dallas Cowboys rule all. Uh, we move now to the Washington football team, second in the division. We both thought that they would beat the Atlanta Falcons. Uh, two of three NFC East teams now have done so so far this season. Uh, I think it was not a high-quality win. It was kind of a contentious game, and I think that that speaks a little bit about Washington. I think it's good for them to get a win, to get a non-NFC East win, but again, the the quality of wins they've had against non-NFC East teams aren't exactly great. Uh, Taylor Heineke, not Tyler Heineke. It's amazing that this is still happening. Looked great. Terry McLaurin looks great. Uh, good for Washington, but it does feel like it was a, a, a sh- this is a short ride that they're on. This There's no winning streak coming, I think, for them. It was an expected win. They took care of business ultimately against a team that is has a stake to being. I mean, it's the worst defense in the NFL, just from a like points allowed standpoint. It's, no one team has allowed more than the Falcons, who are allowing thirty two a game. Shout Pretty out bad. Eagles! Shout out Eagles who took advantage of that. Not shout out to the Giants who somehow only scored fourteen points. Jason Garrett putting up fourteen points at home with extra rest. It's insane. With to me, with the, the Eli juice in the building from the Ring of Honor ceremony. It's so wild how the Giants lost that game at home and only scored 14 in it. Um, yeah, so Falcons stink. I don't think we really learned a whole lot about Washington. And Heineke had his best game, but again, really bad defense. I think we saw that they're not, you know, what we already knew. Like, they're not, again, they're not one of these teams like the Jets. They're not the Giants. They're a little bit better than that, but they're right now they're clearly not, like, you know, threatening to do anything special. Um, so Mike Clay released uh, the NFL strength of schedule uh, on Tuesday for the rest of the season. Washington does have the hardest remaining schedule left. Of course, they do still have to play Tampa and the Chargers, like we mentioned. Still have to play the Cowboys twice. Still have to play the Chiefs. Still have to play the Panthers. Um, you know, still have to play the Mighty Eagles twice. Um, this week, they have the New Orleans Saints. And I know I'm very actually anxious to get to the Giants Saints <laughs> discussion, but um i think that they'll lose this game it is at home for what it's worth but after that blg say they win right like say they they somehow do win two in a row it gets it gets hard very quickly uh they've got kansas city at home next week then they visit green bay and they visit denver and 
I think we both think that Denver is definitely the biggest paper tiger in the NFL. Vic Fangio, shout out to your favorite term, big loser energy, uh, mm. complaining about the Ravens move at the end of the game. Then they're on their bye, and they come out of the bye, BLG, to this slate. Tampa, at Carolina, Seattle, at Vegas, Dallas, and at Philly, at Dallas, Philly, at New York, the last you know five games, all NFC East, as we mentioned before, all their cupcake games. Like you could argue, this New Orleans game is like the most cupcakey game left on their schedule. So, how many more wins do you think they get? If I'm being generous, I'll give them the Saints game, right? Just because mm-hmm. we kind of don't know who the Saints are. Like if we're you know we're, if we're playing like laws of averages here, so that puts them at three and two, and then I think they lose to Kansas City and Green Bay, so they're three and four. Let's say they beat Denver, you know, fine. So they're they're 500 at the bye. They're losing to Tampa. I think they lose at Carolina. I mean that that again. It's a toss that, up. That but so we we gave them Denver. So let's put them. You know, let's, okay. let's give Carolina this. So that puts them at four and six. Seattle. I mean, they're probably losing that game. Four and seven. Uh, at Vegas, kind of a toss up. If you want to give it to them, maybe Derek Carr sure. is a weird thing. So five and eight, and then I. At season's beginning, I thought that they would split with Dallas. Right now, I don't feel that way at all. So I think mm. they lose both Dallas games. That's already 10 losses. I think Philly at least gets one. So that's 11 losses. And they'll beat the Giants. So I think they're, you know, 11-ish losses. Six right and 11. Now. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I mean, right now, that's kind of the place where they're – I just can't believe the defense. Is, I really can't believe it. Like, it's so bad. It's so much it, worse than anyone yeah. could have reasonably expected it to be. Like, no one no one at all was saying, like – I think even the people who might have been out on Washington were like, this defense is going to be bad. They, like, you said it's not going to be as good. That's fair. But, it like, who re- said it was going to be bad? Yeah. No one said it's going to be bad. It made sense that it would regress to the mean. Right. Like that's either mean would have felt like bad for them, but they've they've gone way past the mean and that this was unforeseen. And so, like, who do we blame? You know, like there's there's got to be a a place to point a finger here. I mean, I guess it would be uh, their maybe potentially overrated defensive coordinator. Um, uh, Like, how is it the talent? Like you have Chase Young, you have Montez Sweat, you have Deron Payne, you have Jonathan Allen. You have Matt Ioannidis. You have you drafted a linebacker in the first round. Maybe Jamin Davis isn't any good, but I'm like you know a, a top prospect. You added uh, you have Cam Curl, who looked showed a lot of promise as a rookie. You have William Jackson. Uh, you have uh, Kendall. Ful- like these are like good players. Like I don't I don't understand. You have Landon Collins, who I think is overrated, but is still like not a, an awful player. Not like you know one of the. I just I don't understand it. So when you just look at it from a personnel standpoint, like, I just I think I feel like it has to be scheme because like unless all these players are just somehow like overrated and we thought too much of them. Like uh, that's the only thing I can, I can think of. Uh, DraftKings Sportsbook is our presenting sponsor on the SB Nation NFL show, BLG. Everyone can listen to us over there on that feed. You mentioned the Oddcast out on Tuesday. You can listen to me on Mondays, on Monday Football Monday and Thursdays on The Look Ahead. And according to DraftKings, New Orleans is two-point favorites against Washington. Um, that feels kind uh, to Washington. I mean, I know I said I'm a little bit iffy on New Orleans myself, but I just, I really, Ron Rivera is a wonderful man, fantastic human. But I mean, this coaching matchup is, I mean, it's, this might be the biggest disparity in coaching matchup this week outside of Tennessee versus Jacksonville for obvious reasons. Um, And so, I mean, again, if I can get New Orleans by two here, that feels great. I'll take that all day long. And these are the lines as of Tuesday at noon, as you mentioned, by the way. The Saints, I can't. I don't know how you can touch any Saints game this year. They're the. I have them in my power rankings as the. They're the most volatile team, like the highest variance team. You don't know where you're gonna. The Saints blew out the Packers in Week One, and they lost to the Giants last week. Like, how does that make any sense? Like, there's no, there's no sense to that. This team is not one that you can count on being something from week to week. Like, they're probably gonna end up eight. I know this isn't like a Saints podcast, but just like since the NFC says to play them, like, the, I don't know. It's, I, I can't feel good about betting on them either way because I just don't know what to expect mm. from them week to week. And, you know, I don't put a ton of stock into home field advantage, like just generally speaking. But if there is a team that has that, I think it's New Orleans, right? Like they're, they're certainly in, in the conversation for that. And I think we all thought going into last week, you know, this game against New York, it was like, oh, wow. Well, you know, first game in the Superdome this year, like emotions going to be running high. And then for them to lose, not just lose, but lose to the Giants. I mean, it was really strange. I'd still take New Orleans by two, um, but yeah, Washington. I think you know we're both uh, 
not out on, but they're they're become they're they're normalizing to their normal spot. They they had a really elite thing last year, and that raised the, their floor, and they don't have that anymore. So now they're just boring and bad. Well, that was kind of how that was in the offseason, too, right? We would say that all the time. Like, Washington, they're just, like, there. They didn't have, like, some kind of exciting offseason. They didn't have, like, a disastrous one either. They're just, like, there. There wasn't a lot of juice either way, and that's kind of just where they are right now. So on the subject of that, though, not that we have, I think, anything to offer here, but there was the report on Monday that Mm. their head trainer is under federal investigation uh, and Ron Rivera had some quotes that were making the rounds on Tuesday about how he it just kind of feels like things there's always something hanging over their head. And that's that's the only thing that this team has is it always feels like there is some terrible thing going on with the franchise the organization as a whole. Uh, we'll see what that ultimately yields. But he did say I saw Ron Rivera said that um, he put his health in the head trainer's hands last year, obviously, and that he would do it again. So he is seemingly advocating for him in some particular shape or form. Does Dan Snyder still own the Washington football team? I mean, yeah. Like, I, does, okay. does anybody believe he doesn't? You know, <laughs> so I know that he's he's done a, a I wouldn't even say a great job. He's done a job to try to hide that or to try to you know mi- you know fool people. But I think we all understand that this is still Dan Snyder's team, and the mm-hmm. evidence certainly suggests that that's the case. Uh, halfway through, so let's take a break, and then we'll get to the two worst teams in the NFC East. Hey, this is Scott Galloway, author, professor, entrepreneur, and most importantly, host of the Prop G podcast. We got a special series running on right now called The Future of Work, where I answer all your questions on, surprise, The Future of Work. Questions including, what are we missing when we work remotely? Or how do we handle work-life balance when a major opportunity comes knocking? From the provocative to the technical, we're offering insights you won't want to miss. So tune in to The Future of Work, a Pod special sponsored by Canva. You can find it on the Pod wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome back. We really did take a break. Don't let BLG lie to you. We both went and broke bread, had a cup of coffee, uh, you know, did some yoga, whatnot. You I don't drink yoga? coffee, so it's already a lie. I have done yoga. Yes. I've done it too. My wife is a big yogi, and uh, the very first time I went on a date with her, I tried to impress her by doing yoga. Holy crap. Yeah, I mean, what it worked out date? for me. I mean, it was that a, it, it was, she invited me to go do yoga. And so okay. it wasn't actually, that wasn't actually a date, but like, I was obviously very interested. And so I went and it was at 7am on a Saturday. And I was like, are you crazy? Like, this is ridiculous. And I felt horrible afterwards. It was super embarrassing. So, uh, it's like tough. I said, Oh dude, it's beyond tough. I mean, so, um, yeah, maybe you should pick it back up. BLG. Maybe. I might need it. I might need to uh, de-stress. Oh, well, you do need to de-stress because the Philadelphia Eagles, the lone team in the NFC East to lose in week mm. four in the NFL. Uh, an understandable loss, Kansas City Chiefs. However, Nick Sirianni is a coward. The floor is your Yeah. Team. I mean, he's kicking red zones in the field. Or, or he's kicking field goals, rather, in the red, red zone. <laughs> he's not kicking red zones. He's kicking field goals in the red zone. Uh, I just, what are we doing? And like, I know, so the first, like you guys talked to Pete touched on this on Monday football Monday. There's a little bit of nuance that wasn't caught there. Not his fault. Just because, you know, obviously like following it more from the Eagles angle. Um, so when the Eagles were at fourth and three from the chiefs 11 yard line on their first drive, the call was to go for it, but it looked like they were just kind of going out there. The Eagles were lining up to draw the chiefs offside and it didn't work because, um, they took a timeout. And it was like, okay, that's pretty lame because that pretty much never works. And why are you going to do that there and burn a timeout like that? And it turned out that Jalen Hurts actually called the timeout because he wanted to prevent a delay of game. And then Nick Sirianni thought that uh, they, they did get hit with the delay of game penalty. So maybe there was some kind of the ref a little bit to blame in here too because maybe they didn't communicate like properly or the best way. Um, I'm not going to blame the ref though ultimately because like Nick Sirianni, even if it is a penalty and it's fourth and eight, you should still go for it against the Chiefs and the Reds. Like like the Eagles didn't force a punt all game long. The Eagles defense, RJ, has given up 40 points in back to back games. Like that's terrible. And also like for everyone who loved to say, oh, Jim Schwartz is the worst defensive coordinator. And don't get me wrong. Jim Schwartz had his flaws. I'm not saying he's the best defensive coordinator in the NFL. Everyone liked to act like Jim Schwartz is like a total joke and like the Eagles would be just so much better off. Like the grass is greener. Just move on to the new defensive coordinator. Jonathan Gannon, again, 40 points 
in two games allowed where Jim Schwartz's defenses had only allowed 40 points once in 86 games. And I want to add some more context to this Chiefs offensive dominance over the Eagles defense. This comes from Shil Kapadia. He says the Chiefs produced the, the best single game offensive performance in terms of EPA per play of any team in the NFL this season versus the Eagles defense. And then he added toyed with them, dominated up front. Talent an issue for the Eagles, but scheme has been vanilla. Too deep, way deep. Zone, no disguise, rare blitz, was expecting more creativity. And I'm going to add more, one more thing on this. And this speaks to not just Gannon, but Sirianni as well. Like The cowardice is obviously a big issue. I mean, you're hoping that like some of the analytical approach that the Eagles have can kind of like coax him into being more aggressive. But like you look at some of this other stuff, like the Eagles are among the league's lowest teams in disguising coverage, deploying stunts, blitzing, using motion, average depth of target, or using what PFF charts as quote unquote trick looks on offense. Like there's no creativity from this team. Like I just, and it's, it's insane to me. This is a coaching staff that came in and everyone was eating up. Oh, they're talking about how they're actually going to coach to the player's strengths. I mean, like, are we really seeing that? I mean, the offense moved the ball on Sunday against the chiefs. That's great. The chiefs defense is terrible. It's, like the Falcons are probably worse, but the Chiefs defense is like second in terms of just being absolutely terrible. So uh, like, I don't want to take like some huge moral victory out of the offense looking good. I'm not going to say uh, it, it's worthless, but like I'm not like ready to celebrate about this. I am not feeling amazing about not only this team, this season, RJ, but the team as a whole still, which is where basically I'm reverting back to where I was in the offseason. Just I don't have a lot of confidence in this front office. And I just don't feel great. Um, yikes. Uh, so, first of all, I think you should be a little bit more forgiving, given that the back-to-back, you know, 40-point situation happening to the Eagles has come against, you know, some would say the two best quarterbacks in the NFL, the two best teams in the NFL, no two one best offenses in the NFL. <laughs> uh, but they've come against two, you know, if this happened against, like, I don't know, the 49ers and the Packers. I mean, I don't know. That sure. 49ers in the like Browns, that would be far more concerning. So I think it's a little you could give your cut yourself a little bit more slack there. Um, but yeah, dude, the cowardice is like, you know, you I saw you tweet this during the game, and I was trying to keep tabs on this game, obviously, because Dallas and was playing in the same window. But Brandon Staley, although I somewhat disagreed with his approach near the end, gave the blueprint, right? Like he I executed uh, I, it, yeah. I talked about this on Monday, Football Monday, and I've mentioned this many times on on different shows on Black and the Boys. You got to be a baby in a construction zone when, when in these games. Like you, you have to be unaware of your environment. Like the moment you become, and I, I think that that's what happens or what has happened to teams when they play like the Patriots. Like teams get too scared because they like outthink themselves because they're too aware of the consequences of the moment. You have to play like you know, like you don't realize that there's consequences. Like you have to play like somebody who doesn't feel pain. You know what I'm saying? Like just you, you almost have to like. You have to border along the lines of bravery and irresponsibility to win games like this. And Nick Sirianni didn't do that at all. It was cowardly and it was super conservative. And that's just that's hardly going to win ever in the NFL, let alone against one of the best teams like the Chiefs. Um, this this was a game where I did feel like the Chiefs were toying with them. It felt like the Chiefs, you know, kind of checked off all the things they wanted to do. Like they got the Tyreek bomb at the end. You know what I mean? Like in that's. That's not good when you just get kind of run over by them. I'm sure it didn't feel good to see Andy Reid get his 100th win with the Chiefs, as you mentioned. Uh, just a little bit of extra salt in, in that wound. Uh, you know, probably weird to see LaShawn McCoy on the sidelines. Lots of weird emotions, I think, going going on with the Eagles in this particular game. But, um, I, you know, I wish I could say I was sad for you. Obviously, I'm not. But um, it is also not about to get easier for the Eagles, dude. Holy crap. At Carolina, and by the way, Panthers, three and a half point favorites. That does feel about right. I don't know how I would lean there yet. Then Tampa and at Vegas. And that Tampa game, as we've talked about, is on a Thursday night. Uh, so short week against the world champs. Um, what's what's the next Eagles win in your mind? I mean, I think this game on Sunday against the Panthers is like really big for not only this season, but kind of like the outlook of Sirianni and coaching staff on the whole. Like, I feel like if there's something cooking here, like with this group, if there might be something to this staff like they have to win this game on sunday or at least like you know be right there like be right in position like maybe something goes wrong at the end but like if this game isn't competitive that's a huge issue and i think there's a non-zero chance and jimmy kemsky who you know who i co-host uh, bgn radio with weekly here on the bleeding green nation podcast feed he asked me last week he was like and jimmy's not like a super 
like a hot take guy. He asked me, he was like, what do you think the chance is of, or I think he asked the chance, or is there a non-zero chance of Nick Sirianni being one and done? And, you know, if he continues to struggle at this rate. Meyer, Urban Meyer next year, right, for sure. Yeah, Urban Meyer. Mm-hmm. Um, or the, the, what they'll really do is, like, make another run at Lincoln Riley. Lincoln Riley won't come because why would he? And make a run at Kellen Moore. Well, well, they did, you know, and right. or they'll do that. And that won't make a more either. serious run at Kellen Moore. Or John Fossil, you know, like they did too. <laughs> no, that didn't happen. Um, or uh, maybe they'll just try to get Josh McDaniels this time, which would be terrible. So, uh, yeah, I, I think it's a really important game. Um, I don't feel great about them right now. Again, because I'm not totally buying that the offense bouncing back was like just because of the offense. Now, the offense had a good performance. I'm not trying to take anything away from it. I'm just saying I don't know that it means like, oh, the offense is fixed now. We don't have to worry about that. Like, we can check that off. That's fine. Like, Hurts had a good game. I agree. But he also did leave some plays out there, and that hurt. Um, they're not executing in the red zone, which hurts. Jalen Hurts, Hurts, and uh, what was even your question? I forgot. I'm just rambling now. I forgot the question, but this isn't a hot take. All right, what was their next win? But you said, and this this kind of ties into that. So if it's not Sunday against Carolina, I think the next opportunity is Detroit. Because, again, for Philly, next run is at Carolina, Tampa, at Vegas, at Detroit. And then even if you do win that game, after that, it's Chargers and then at Mm -hmm. Denver. So, yeah, yeah. But, but the Chargers game for real. So you're talking about after this game, we're both pretty confident that the Eagles are going to lose three of four in Tampa, Vegas, and the Chargers. Uh, so these, I wanted to get to this point. The Lions are still winless on the season, right? So these are their next four games before the bye. At Minnesota, I know you don't like Kirk, but, you know, the Vikings are going to win that game. They get the Bengals at home, the Lions do next week, and I don't know about that. Like, I'm, I'm still not sold on the Bengals. But then they're at uh, L.A. for the golf bowl, which, you know, will be a disaster for them. So – it's possible Detroit could be walking into that Philly game in week eight, oh, and seven. And so my question to you is, is it possible that Philly loses out? I think that it's definitely possible until they get there. So that would put them at one and six. That, that would involve a loss on Sunday. And is it possible that Philly is Detroit's first win? And then if that happened, what would the fallout of that be? Because I feel like it's already bad and like all the, you know, talk about it is is you know magnifying or whatever but if something like that happened i feel like it would it would shift it into fifth gear so to speak i think it's possible i mean for as bad as the lions are they're not like they haven't been a total pushover on a weekly basis in terms of that example yeah there's some and like golf is flawed but he has some level of passing talent like there's a reason he was the number one overall pick like he can't and when he gets like the right support when everything is clicking he can make some good throws so it's like not like inconceivable that the eagles could lose that game especially being on the road and everything and the team presumably like struggling at that point and kind of had some you know not like the best vibes going on for them so i don't think it's impossible i think they'll pick up another win uh just because there there is enough here that like there's a chance and then just, you know if the jets can win a game if the giants can win a game like i'm not going to say it's impossible that the eagles could pull off a win here but um yeah not feeling great about it and i think if you're asking me like what the conversation is at that point if we're like kind of projecting that i think the conversation that bothers me right now and i've kind of been like thinking about this a lot is this the assumption and also the organization's kind of just way of like buying themselves more time coming off like this very bad stretch that ended the doug peterson era and what they said is like, well, we're now we're entering we're entering a transition period now. So it's almost like you can't criticize us for being bad because we're we know we're not going to be great. But it's like, well, you created the mess though, and we, like we're all just resetting expectations because you're telling us to, and like we're supposed to just like accept that and be fine with that that you're bad. Like I get that to an extent. More so if you're hiring like a new GM and a new coach to like both come in and clean up the mess that the previous guy made. But the previous guy is still here when it comes to the GM. He made the mess and he's still here. Uh, so that's a big issue. And I just, I don't think I have, I have a tough time like thinking about how the, the, the decision makers above the coaching staff. So like Howie and Larry and everyone are going to parse this season. Like, are they going to look at certain things? How are they going to look at certain things and determine, is this the result of Nick Sirianni being inexperienced to the young team, young quarterback with Jalen Hurts and everything, or is it that they they just suck and they're not good? Like, how do you how do you parse that? Like, how do you know? And I just think it'd kind of be dangerous to assume that it's definitely the former, and that like you just need to give them more time, you just need to give them more time. Well, then you give them that more time, and then you're bad, and then you're just losing more and more progress, and then your veterans are getting older, and you're bad at replacing them because the GM can't draft well, especially in the earlier rounds. So like, 
it's just kind of a mess, man. It's this team is who I thought they were going to be in the offseason when I was not feeling good about them. And I'm, I'm back to being at that place. You have like to go on a tangent here a little bit, like Fletcher Cox, RJ is catching a lot of heat. Fletcher Cox, by the way, wasn't he your pick for like most underrated player on the, I, and the hey, East? Yeah, I know. <laughs> look, I, that was from a place of being personally scarred by Fletcher Cox. Okay. And that like that molds our opinions on things. Like he has dominated the Cowboys for a long time. So like, Hey, I mean, I'm not going to apologize for being fearful of that. You know, well, that's actually, that's actually a relevant data point, though, because I think that's the part of the problem. Like you're you were living off the perception of Fletcher Cox, and I think that's fine. You know, because not you're not watching him every week or not paying attention as closely as I would be because I'm you know, covering the Eagles. But like, I think so many people, Eagles included, have like it's Fletcher Cox. He's great because he was great in the past, but like he's not right now, though. I, I tweeted it out this morning, but you look at some of like the PFF grading and everything. Uh, he's 50th out of 63 interior defenders this year. He's 35th out of 39 in pass rush productivity. He has one sack and one quarterback hit in his last eight games combined. RJ, this is the Eagles' highest paid player. You can't pay your stars to not be stars. Like that's a if not only not be stars, but like it's not making an impact at all. He had zero stats. RJ against the Chiefs zero. He didn't log a single stat in that game. Like that can't happen. And I don't want to hear that he's getting double teamed and all this. Like you're paying him elite money, paying him to be a difference maker. He's not doing that. And that's been a big issue with the Eagles in recent years. Like I, I think it's tempting for everyone to get caught up in the results of Sunday because you're seeing that you're seeing the coach mess up and you want to get your anger. But like the the mistakes that are being made by Howie Roseman in the front office. Like so not only is Fletcher Cox struggling right now. But they restructured his deal like a couple weeks or last month. So they basically can't move on from him now. They did this with Alshon Jeffrey where like they restructured his contract and then they couldn't move on from him even though he was terrible. Like those little things, when those moves happen, they get tweeted out on Twitter. Maybe we do a blog post about him. But like people aren't sitting in a stadium like judging those moves. If they were, they'd be a lot more angry about that, I feel like. like that stuff is flying under the radar, but it's absolutely having the same, if not more, of a detriment- detrimental impact on the team. So this is my frustration with everything, like how he's getting off so easy for all these mistakes that he's making that also impact the coaching, which they are also making in fairness and deserve blame. But it's like the coaching staff gets all the heat and how he gets by in comparison, a lot less. So Panthers by three and a half. <laughs> how do, how uh, do you... Yeah. I mean, so we, we have to see, I guess, if, Christian McCaffrey is available for this game because I think it's right. a big deal. If he's if he plays, like that's a it's a big deal because the Panthers just aren't going to be built with Sam Darnold carrying that team with his arm. They're just not like they need Christian McCaffrey. He's carrying him um, with his legs, dude. What are you talking about his arm? Sam Darnold, Cam Darnold. No, that's terrible. <laughs> I mean, it, it's really terrible. I mean, he's not Cam Newton, but still, he's he's impressive. But you're right, Christian McCaffrey makes a big difference. But you have to pick right now, Carolina three and a half. I'll take the Panthers just because why? What What do you feel good about with the Eagles? What do you Nothing. point to right now, RJ? The high, like if the you, if you, if, Sirianni's visor. That's it. If you like, let's say you had to be, you know, like what is something or flip it the other way? What's, what's something you're scared about from the Eagles right now as a Cowboys fan? Oh, no, nothing. Nothing at yeah. all. I mean, just just right. like histor- historical fear. Like, you know, like and like, oh, they might win because it's a division rivalry. That's all they have going for them. Like, that's it. I mean, I suppose Devontae Smith, but like that would require utilizing him in the right way. And that's you know, not really happening here. Um, so it's unfortunate. But and look, last thing on this, and we'll move on to the Giants. This is a really important offseason coming up for the Eagles. And I hate to like fast forward there for you, but I really don't hate it. But I mean, right now, oh, through week four, the right now the Eagles have three top nine picks. Is that correct? If if we give them Indianapolis, yes. and it looks like that yeah. might actually happen. Uh, we'll see if the Colts, you know, play play defense on that, you know, if they, they get, you know, kind of pushed out of playoff contention. But still, I mean, so you're going to have a lot of heavy draft capital. And if you just double down on Sirianni, if you keep, you know, restructuring contracts, just kind of push things off, like you're not going to do yourself any favors with this influx of young talent. But uh, that's a conversation for several months from now. Uh, between now and then, just enjoy the ride. Uh, the New York Giants, BLG, we've danced around it, successfully defeated the New Orleans Saints, and did so for the first time ever wearing white pants uh, with their road uniforms. This was a big deal that the Giants had going on on social media, white pants to go with the white jerseys. Pretty stupid in my mind. Uh, it did look nice, I mean, if I'm being really honest. I cannot believe they won this game. I cannot believe they won this game. Saquon went off to a degree, so like all the like running backs matter. People are like, see, this is what happens when Saquon's <laughs> fully healthy. The Giants can compete. No, they still suck. 
but they beat the Saints, and I suppose they deserve some level of respect for that. Daniel Jones is kind of quietly playing well, or at least not terribly. Uh, kind of like being like the player that I I've talked about before. Like, there's something there. There's just it's not like it's a hopeless situation. It's not like you look at Dwayne Haskins or Trubisky and you just know they're not good from the jump. Like he has some talent, and the Giants are kind of benefiting to some extent of him. I mean, at least in this case of winning, um, he's been he's been decent. I would not love to commit to him, and I still think um, that Joe Judge is a big problem. Um, the aforementioned Shil Kapadia had a good tweet here uh, on Tuesday that I saw as I try to look it up because I lost it to the point basically like where Joe Judge loves like kicking more than I love anything is what Shield said. Um, <laughs> he might be the most NFL's conservative coach. Uh, so yeah, I mean that's a big problem and he sucks and the Giants are not going to win a lot more. And look, I mean we talked about it last week where I. I said they might win this game. Remember that? I was like, just because because of the volatility of the Saints, nothing to do with the Giants, just because we don't know what to make exactly of the Saints. So, like, it's not like inconceivable again that the Giants won this game. It's surprising because it's in the Superdome. I didn't, I wasn't betting on it to happen, but I didn't think it was impossible. Um, but the Giants still have the schedule here where they can still start one and nine, right? <laughs> well, yeah. So, on the subject of that, so they're at Dallas this week. By the way, DraftKings has them now. The Cowboys are seven-point favorites. That line opened up at seven and a half, so that has shrunk a little bit. Um, so, if you got seven and a half, sorry. But, uh, so, at Dallas, I think we both agree that's a loss. Then they get the Rams, definitely a loss. Although, Sean McVay, a little bit of a coward himself. Uh, you know, I'm glad to Huge see the internet coward. About, Not yeah. a little bit. Big coward, uh, yeah. But, but still, I mean, they'll win that game. Uh, after sure. that, the Giants have the Panthers. Somewhat of a coin flip. I'm Still anxious to see the Panthers this week uh, against the Eagles. Then at Kansas City on Monday Night Football, gross. Uh, then, the, then the Raiders at home. Uh, then at Tampa after their bye. So yeah, I mean, and you know, I know I don't mean to make this about make this about the Cowboys, but like I think through like the first like nine games of the season, because like we've we today we've gone through the the upcoming I don't know five or six games for every NFC's team, and for the Cowboys it's like arrows pointing up, right? The most difficult quarterback on their schedule is Kirk Cousins. Meanwhile. You know, and they will still have to play the Chiefs, who, you know, the Eagles already played, obviously, in Washington and New York have to go through. But I think, like, through nine, ten games, I think it's very possible that the Cowboys are, like, eight and two, maybe, seven and three, where all three other teams are well below 500. Like, that that feels really likely to me, honestly. So we're going to hit that scenario that I've been talking about, or we've been talking about since the schedule came out, where, like, the, the end of the NFC East it run just means nothing. Just, yeah. it doesn't matter. Like, that's that'd be so bad for... I feel like ratings and everything and just for fan interest too. It's like these games like literally just don't matter. We're all deciding like second and third and fourth at this place, which doesn't matter. Uh, that's pretty possible. It's pretty possible. Like, so I guess to that end, um, which, which week do you think the Cowboys like realistically clinch the division? Um, okay. So like, let's just roll through the Cowboys games quickly. So they're three and one they're they're beating the giants, right? Yeah. Okay. Four and one. Then, Let's. I think we give them the win in New England, five and one. Sure. Okay. So then they come out of that at Minnesota. I've kind of said that they might lose that game. Um, yeah, but, we'll we'll say between Minnesota and New England they okay. lose one. So five and two. Then they get the Broncos and the Falcons. So they're seven and two, right? And then back to back, like I talked about, they have K- uh, Kansas City and then the Raiders on Thanksgiving. So let's say they split that. They're eight and okay. three through Thanksgiving. Okay. And then seven days later, they generally do play well in the the seven day game after Thanksgiving, the Thursday after Thanksgiving. So they let's say they win that game. They're what nine and three? Was I said right? I had them at eight and eight and three. Uh, so nine and three uh, at this particular point. And then they have of their remaining five games, four of them are against the NFCs. And so like they, they'll have nine wins at week thirteen, I think, approximately, or at week fourteen. Sorry. Um, so let's just say nine. The Eagles, I don't see. I mean, they're one and three, and I'm trying to count wins. Uh, say we give them Carolina, that's two. Maybe mm-hmm. Detroit, that's three. Denver, right. Denver four, and then the Giants and Jets five and six. They so they have six at that point in time in an optimistic setting. Washington has two. Okay, maybe they beat New Orleans. Maybe they beat Denver, so that's three. Maybe they beat. Carolina, and that's four. I mean, four. Like, I think they have about four wins at this okay. point in time. And then the Giants, I mean, we already talked about. So I think it's very possible that, like, at the beginning of December, 
it's it's a win one. They the Cowboys are not the best team in the NFL, but they might be the first team in the NFL to clinch the division. What do you mean? Like they, oh, they you're might, saying this season? Yeah, yeah I thought they, you meant like they might be the first team to get hats yeah. and t-shirts this season. Yeah, is that, is that preposterous? I mean, no, especially again with how the schedule. That's just so disappointing from in an entertainment standpoint alone. Just like right. just rendering all these games at the end of the season useless. So, like I, I, I just don't even know what that looks like. It's, it looks like the Eagles have to like win out. Like they're they're going to win, and then even then, that might not be you enough. Know, you that need might, to win out, and then you need help. And because of the like uh, the you know just massive NFC East pileup, you need everything to break like the certain way you know what i mean like right. you, need, you need like one team to win this game and this team to win that game and it's like it, it gets very like baseball basketball like needing the right results on a certain day of chaos and pandemonium so maybe not the best job by the schedule makers in this instance we gave them credit earlier but i just i wonder how this is going to work out it doesn't seem like it's going to be that drama filled to me i mean maybe something changes the nfl unpredictable maybe Dak gets hurt whatever something crazy happens but why would you say that yeah. what the hell well, I'm just saying, if everything goes on pace, uh, it looks like it's it's almost like it's not going to happen because that seems too cut and dry, right? And that isn't always how it goes. It's like if you're you're expecting the reasonable, like if you're expecting the Titans just to beat the Jets, like it doesn't always just work out that way. Right, that's true. Uh, for what it's worth, um, so Dak Prescott was hurt last year on October 11th um, at home against the New York Giants. The Dallas Cowboys will host the New York Giants this week in the same time slot, the afternoon slot on October 10th. So this was very purposeful by the NFL to give uh, the same window, same game on basically the one year anniversary. Uh, so expect to see a lot of storylines about that. Uh, but I do Cowboys are seven point favorites. As I mentioned, would you take them? You think giants cover what's your, what's your pick here? Who is taking the giants? Who, why and why? I don't even think Joe Judge is taking the Giants. You know what I mean? Like, dude, he is. It, uh, we've been talking about this forever, how the Giants and Jets are tied for the most losses in the NFL since the beginning of week seven or of 2017. It, is, like, it, 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 it was hilarious that they, they both won and that yeah. it happened in the same week. Like, they, so they, there was like, there's been no, the only like lead that any one of them got was after the Thursday night game when you tweeted it out. Uh, so that is really funny. Mm-hmm. Um, but man, dude, the Giants just suck. Like they are so, so, so bad. Their offense is so, so, so bad. And I really think that we will see the Cowboys last year when they played that first game against them, the Giants offense kind of had their way with Dallas early on and then Dak yeah. got hurt, but that was a very different situation for the Cowboys and they were in a much more volatile place. They're much more grounded. I, I think they're just going to put a beat down on the Giants. I really do. I think it could be a little bit more competitive. Maybe it's a backdoor cover. I think that could happen. Um, uh, but again, what am I pointing to and feeling great about the Giants? Daniel Jones, maybe he he slings it. I think the Cowboys' defense looks a little bit better than it is in reality right now with some of the opponents they faced and some of the things going on there. Uh, but yeah, I can't talk myself into... And who cares? Who cares about the spread, honestly? I mean, the Cowboys are going to win the game. Very true. Um, okay. Any last thoughts on the division as a whole? Any predictions for the coming week? Anything you want to get off your chest? Now is, uh, as, as Jeff Probst loves to say, now would be the time to do so. I am actually starting a new podcast where I talk about my favorite team in the NFL, the Los Angeles Chargers. And we talk about the AFC West. And I, called- I, hope they, I hope they go undefeated the rest of the way and that their loan losses to the Cowboys. I really hope that that happens, just so you have to deal with that. Well, they'll go undefeated the rest of the season and win the Super Bowl. Yeah, that's fine. I agree with your take there. That's a good. That's a good uh, outcome for me. Uh, I'm gonna, yeah, it's called the AFC West mixtape. I'm going to be doing it with Pete Sweeney <laughs> each week. He's going to be in denial about how he thinks the Chiefs are actually the best team in the AFC West, but it is in reality the Chargers who beat the Chiefs and just beat the Raiders and will surely beat the Broncos. Um, so yeah, feeling good about my chargers who are great and exciting and actually have a good head coach, a head coach that the Eagles were interested in and in Brandon Staley, but actually didn't get on the plane to go see them because the chargers like, were like, Hey, like we're going to hire you right now. Like we, like we're sealing the deal. Like don't even go to Philly. Like we, we want you to be our head coach and probably easy for him to not take a flight and to stay in the same city that he was in already too. Um, well, so and sure like, like literally in as the Rams defensive coordinator, you know what I mean? It's not like he was just like temporarily in Los Angeles for the chargers interview. Like he was, he was already right. home. So yeah, um, that's a great point. Um, you mentioned Pete Sweeney really, you know, people think that we're obnoxious, but Pete Sweeney is obnoxious <laughs> when it comes to the Kansas city chiefs. Um, this has nothing to do with the NFC East, but Bills Chiefs Sunday Night Football. Um, 
Every, everyone's everyone's in on the Bills now because they've beaten three. I love the Bills, but like they have beaten they beat the Dolphins when Tua got hurt. They smashed yeah. Washington and then they beat the Texans. I mean, so let's let's right. let's pump the brakes a little bit here. But I think they win. I think Buffalo wins. I think that you know Kansas City. I think they can. The, the, the game against Philly was like it was too close. Like it was way too close. Like way closer than it should have been for Kansas City. Yeah, and that is really worrying. I think. Which is funny when you look at the final score, but you're not wrong. Yeah, it was it was a more competitive game than it really should have been if the Chiefs were truly like the juggernaut, like unbeatable that again they are purported to be at times. Uh, it's gonna be a close game. You know the offense is really humming. The offense is really really good. So obviously, I mean that's not a shock, but it just is, and it's easy to maybe kind of overlook that because the defense is really bad and has a lot of issues, and I think it's kind of untenable. I, as I've talked about many times before, I think offense matters more. And that weighs more heavily than defense being bad. But at some point, like the defense is going to be an undoing. Like you're not going to win the Super Bowl with the defense they have playing like it is right now. Like it's just that's just not going to happen. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I think it's going to be interesting. And I mean, obviously, it is. It's a big matchup. I will take the Chiefs to win, though, unfortunately, because la- we'd all like to see Pete Sweeney <laughs> suffer more. My last question: um, Would Sam Donald be the best non dak quarterback in the NFC East? Uh, mm, I think not so. Necess- I mean, he's definitely better than Jalen Hurts, like a hundred percent, like clear cut. He's definitely better than Taylor Heineke. Sure, but I don't think he's like clear cut better than Jalen Hurts right now. Now, I think you can make an argument like I like certain qualities of Daniel Jones more, like his athleticism and things like that. And maybe talent, Daniel, yeah, yeah, maybe Daniel Jones. Maybe he's maybe he's Sam Donald with the Jets. Like maybe Daniel Jones on, I don't know the. Texans next year is a different proposition. I don't like that. Uh, but I mean, you got to give him uh, a little bit more than the Texans. I was trying to, was trying to think of a place with the Steelers. What if you put him in Pittsburgh? Daniel Jones Ooh. instead of Big Ben. I would love to see that. Honestly, that what about something. what about what about Atlanta? Huh. I know they can't uh, move yeah. on from Matt Ryan, but like you know, yeah, be a little bit better. Yeah, the defense uh, would still suck. And the overall vibe is bad, but yeah, right. But Pitt, he's a true like Pittsburgh guy. You can totally see that. Um, I can, you know. So, um, all right, uh, we've said it all. Cowboys rule, Eagles drool. Um, Giants have, I don't know, a shred of life, I suppose. Uh, BLG, the last word belongs to you. Nope. Hey, this is Scott Galloway, author, professor, entrepreneur, and most importantly, host of the Prop G podcast. We got a special series running on right now called The Future of Work, where I answer all your questions on, surprise, The Future of Work. Questions including, what are we missing when we work remotely? Or how do we handle work-life balance when a major opportunity comes knocking? From the provocative to the technical, we're offering insights you won't want to miss. So tune in to The Future of Work, a Pod special sponsored by Canva. You can find it on the Pod wherever you get your podcasts.